You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're in Luke chapter 15 as we will continue in the parables. And this morning we'll be covering verses 11 through 32. C.S. Lewis said this, is a quote from C.S. Lewis, joy is the business of heaven. Joy is the business of heaven. In each parable that we have covered up to this point in chapter 15, we see about something that was lost. Something that was lost. Last week, Nate talked about the lost coin and the lost sheep. And as Jesus is teaching, you see that each time he talks about something lost, the value of whatever that was that was lost becomes greater. The value becomes greater. And Jesus amplifies this with each loss. And he's making a point. So if you look at verse 11, he begins the next parable. He says, to illustrate the point further. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now we typically talk about this parable as being the prodigal son. I like looking at it as the lost son. That strikes my heart and gets my attention. The lost son. And many think that this story is just about the son, but in reality, the story is more about the father than it is about the son. The perfect father. And yet we describe this as stories of prodigal son, and it's a good story, but it really is describing the perfect father. Verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want to share, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Well, this is interesting. And remember, Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience. He's he's in the home of Pharisee. So there's a lot of Pharisees sitting in the room. And he's gone through these other parables, and now he's addressing this about the lost son. And they understood the traditions. And the inheritance tradition in this Jewish society was that the oldest son would get two-thirds of the inherited wealth. The younger son would receive one-third of the father's wealth. And they would receive this inheritance only after the death of the father. That was tradition. The father could give it, but that was what the custom was. So think about how this story is going. The younger son is asking the father to break tradition. He's asking the father for a special exception. And this special exception is motivated by his greed, his foolishness. Now this would be looked upon by... Jewish society as being highly disrespectful toward the father to ask for his wealth. And this was considered to be the same as the, father, as the son telling the father, I wish you were dead. So Jesus 
is presenting this story knowing these people would grasp the severity of this story, the seriousness of it. So, verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all his money in wild living. So you see in, in three short verses what the son has done. Now here are the difference in the three parables. Do you, do you see the differences between the sheep and the coin and now the son? Sheep wander away. They have to keep an eye on the sheep to keep them into the, I don't know if the sheep are in herds or what? A flock, okay. I ra we raised cows when I was growing up. Flock of cows. <laughs> now, a coin, now, and a cow will wander off too, by the way. A coin was an object lost by someone. So you have the sheep that wander away, a coin, an object that was lost by someone. But now we see a son who has a will of his own. And the son made a choice to leave. So how is this an analogy to our lives or to people? Some people wander away from God. Didn't set out to do that. They just wandered off and went paying attention to what was going on in their life. Some of us in here may have done that in our lives at one point. Some are displaced or victimized by circumstances in the world. No fault of their own, but they still were lost, like the coin. And others just simply walk away from God intentionally. And that's what this story is about. And the father in the story clearly illustrates God's love, gives us an example. The father knew that the son was making a bad choice. He knew that he was being foolish. But he allowed him to go on his course. He didn't stop him, and he gave him the inheritance. The father was hurt. He was concerned. He was worried. But yet he let him go on his way because he knew he just could, he can't stop him. Once that decision is made, he, he's grown. He can't stop him. So let's see what happens in verse 14 through 16. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. In studying, I, I found what a pod. I found out a pod was, was something that they fed the pigs that only pigs could digest. A human being couldn't digest this. And if he tried to eat it, it would have killed him. But it, that began looking good to him, as the Bible says. And Jesus is giving these, this illustration. So Jesus is speaking to a Pharisee audience, and he's using swine or pigs as an example. And this story was shocking to them. It was, they were aghast in their response because you're talking about the lowest form of animal on the face of the earth to a Jew, and that's a pig. The son was driven by hunger, 
in this, and to associate, even working with pigs would be unacceptable and offensive to any righteous Jewish person, according to Leviticus 11, verse 7. So this immediately offended the crowd. And you're talking about pigs. He said, a Jew would go work with pigs. Think about the example, the illustration. Jesus is, is making them start think. Because a human being, the lowest form of human being to a Jew was first a Gentile and next would be a sinner of their own people. So you see where he's going. See, the son left to become independent of the father. I don't need you, father. But look at verse 17. Jesus says this. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hard servers have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. When he finally came to his senses, some versions say, When he came to himself. In his misery, the prodigal son, the lost son, was finally able to think clearly. In his rebellion and in his disobedience, he, be, he became someone that he had not been before. He didn't blame his father when he realized, when he came to himself, when he came to his senses. He didn't blame his father. He didn't blame his brother. He didn't blame his friends. He didn't blame the boss. He didn't even blame the pigs. He blamed himself. He recognized his misery and focused on his father. He had hit rock bottom. It takes a person realizing the depth of their despair to want to get out of it. Have you been there? I know some of you have been there. Some of us have hit rock bottom and saw no way up. But you, some people have to get to that point where they hit the bottom before they can see that they are alone without Jesus Christ. It's a realization that the Father, that God, Father God, is the answer. So he says, the son says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you both in heaven and, and on, here on earth. Jesus is teaching about repentance right now. In verse 18. Repentance. If you want to underline or highlight a passage in your Bible, do that right now. It's verse 18. And he says, I have sinned against both heaven and you. This is repentance. It's not an excuse. Not blaming someone else. That I have sinned. And this is how the word Jesus is teaching us how to repent. It's an admission of sin. It's, this is how we need, we, we find out we need to come back to God. 
And he's talking about those who left the Father. To come to the Father, it's all about coming back to Him first. It's not about coming back to church. It's not about coming back to church members or friends. or fam- It's about coming back to God. And then God would take care of the rest. Look at verse 19. I am no worthy, no longer worthy to be calling your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, he had, this is what he had formulated in his mind. He has a prepared speech to say to the father when he sees him. He's going to show an emptiness and tell him that he's unworthy, but he is confessing his sin to the father. I have sinned against heaven before you. This shows a changed way of thinking. Do you see the depth that Jesus is teaching here? And the lesson that we're to learn that we are to come to the Father and repent. See, he didn't think like this before. He made no excuse to justify what he had done. He just... I've sinned. He changed. He changed his way of thinking. See, in his misery, he thought completely differently about himself. He thought completely differently about the Father. He thought completely different about everything because he realized, I am nothing. I am nothing. But the Father makes me something. And you know, what did he ask for? The Son asked for one thing. Father, take me. Take me as your hired servant. He just says, Father, take me. That's all he's asking. Take me. In verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And he said to, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't have time to, to finish what he had rehearsed. That's all he could get out. I have sinned. I have sinned. See, the Father's love waited, and it never forgot. And the Father ran to meet his son. He had been looking for him to come home. And there is an immediate, intense forgiveness. He embraced him. He kissed him. Mercy came running. Like that Phillips Craig and Ding song. Mercy came running. Here's a quote by a Christian writer named Pate. In the depth of the son's repentance is only matched by the depth of the father's love. See, the father said in the story in verse 22 says this, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. 
So he immediately welcomed him back as his son, as his child, and didn't want to hear anything about being a hired servant. When we return, when the lost is found, there's celebration in heaven. When the lost is found. See, the four things that the father called out for the servants to bring out didn't have anything that, they weren't necessities. But the father was showing he wanted to honor his son again. The fatted calf, the robe, the ring, the sandals. He was restoring him to a place of honor. And that's what God does to us when we repent. He restores us to a place of honor. We're his child. Twenty-four, for his this for this son of mine was dead, and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. It just wasn't about finding his son. His son returned from the dead. He was lost, but he come back. This is amazing grace. In verse 25 through 30, it talks about the other son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you never once. Refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. See, the older son is representing the Pharisees. The people he's talking to. The older son was unhappy that the brother was so joyfully received. He disrespected the father by condemning the father's happiness that his, son, his other son returned. This was a sign of disrespect. The father also loved the older son and he appealed to him. See, the older brother was unappreciative of what he had. He had everything. He had the father's company. He, he, he was there. He had everything that his father had owned. The father had blessed him, but his attitude comes out here in this moment. He resented the father because the father extended love to someone else besides him. See, he, he made a statement that he had followed and done the rules and done exactly what the father wanted. But in reality, the older son's heart was far from God. It wasn't done out of love. It was done out of obligation. This is what he's teaching the Pharisees. You are the older brother. The sinners that I have embraced, you criticize, Jesus was saying, you've criticized me for mentoring to ministering unto the worst of the worst, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and the affirmed, the, the sick, and yet you won't rejoice that they want to come to the Father. Skip Heisig said this, so often we are ungrateful for what we don't have and not grateful for what we do have. God takes care of his children and God provides. 
be grateful. We have become so accustomed to not being satisfied or content with what we have that we resent when other people have more than us. That's what this story is about. But the father, the perfect father, loved both sons. But he, when the one that was lost returned, he rejoiced and, and couldn't understand why the other son wouldn't rejoice. What was lost had been found. Verse 31, his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. The Jews. Okay, the Jews. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life, but he was lost, and now he is found. All... Jesus went to all. Jesus extended the invitation to come to the Father to all. Not just the religious. So this, this message was clear. It was a message to the tax collectors, the, the sinners, those who were looked down on by society. The, the message is repent and come home. Come to the Father. Then the message to the religious leaders the legalistic leaders of the Pharisee movement says, repent. Repent of your judgmental attitude. When the hap be happy when the sinner who was lost is now found. See, Jesus is making a comparison between two types of sinners. The visible, that is, those who are out there living in the world and you see exactly what they're doing. And the invisible, those whose sin is in their heart and expressed on their face in their attitude the religious person looks down their nose at the grace of God we, we've been a part of a congregation in Louisiana that uh, celebrate recovery was part of it and it was a big part of that congregation and a dear friend of ours now national director but I had her statement one time and when we were there and they talked about those people. Those people. No. People that have had those struggles in life and come to God, there's much joy in heaven because the grace of God has been accepted. Justin, would you put that, can you put that quote up there? I want to share a quote with you. We're fixing to end here in just a few moments. This is a quote by Charles Spurgeon, a very famous preacher back in the 19th century. The truth here taught is just this, that mercy stretches forth her hand to misery, that grace receives men as sinners, that it deals with demerit and worthiness and worthlessness. That those who think themselves righteous are not the object of the divine compassion, but the unrighteous, the guilty, and the undeserving are the proper subjects for the infinite mercy of God. In a word, that salvation is not of merit, but of grace. These three parables in chapter 15 describe something lost. And I want to present to you a couple of questions and we'll end. Have you lost 
your first love? Does the Father have your heart? The, the point Jesus was making to those Jews was God, they didn't have his heart. The Father didn't have their heart because they were not giving their heart to him. And it's so easy for us to remove ourselves from reality in our daily lives. We come to church for obligation or we watch online for obligation. That can become a problem. That's when we lose our first love. Or we're here because we earnestly want to worship God. That we want to be in the presence of God Almighty and lift praises and prayer to Him. This is a tough question I'm going to ask. In relation to the story that Jesus just taught, do you have a lost child? Do you have a lost spouse? Do you have a lost brother, lost sister, lost mom or dad? Do you have a lost friend? It's time to bring what we have lost to the altar and pray for what is lost. You understand what I'm saying? It's time to release that and place it at the foot of the altar of God. We have people in here right now who have been lost, who are the lost child, but they were found. It's a tough, tough experience. But God will rescue. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. And this morning, we're all going to stand. And if you have something lost and want it found, Put away any thought of embarrassment or being reserved. Put away that. Because you're in the presence of God this morning as we worship Him. You're in the presence of the one who rescues. Are you listening? Because this is not something at this time to brush off and say, well, I'll just talk to God about it later. Come lay it here at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the altar of God, and let your brothers and sisters in Christ pray with you over that. If we cry together, we cry together. If we rejoice together, we rejoice. But that's the one thing that we've got to learn to do is to lean on each other because we have a common denominator, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. If you have something that is lost, come up here. Bring it to God. Say, God, I need your help. If your child, if your spouse, if your family member, your friend, it's today. 
that you come and bring it to God. Release it. Father God, we pray. Your spirit will move in this room this morning. And that we will release the worry and heaviness that we have. And anxiety we have about someone who is lost that we care about, that we love. And Father, we ask, we ask you this morning that we bring it to you. Move, Holy Spirit, and bring what is lost to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.